Please stand in honor of God's word. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I may not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. A reading from Romans chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. Heavenly Father, we just come before you on this new year. Just help our hearts to be renewed and refreshed in you, Lord. And may we live for you in a new way this year, Lord, every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, before we uh, get started this morning... Every week we come together and we worship and we have a time of prayer together and you may notice that I wander over to these steps and I get on my knees and desperately beg the Lord that uh, his words are heard and mine are not. Usually. People come around me, men and women, uh, and they'll kneel next to me and whisper a prayer over me into my ear. This morning, I was moved by the realization that not all of you have that experience. We here at the church at Lockton Springs desire to be a church that prays. We desire to be a church that prays for you. We want to put as many opportunities in front of you to pray and be prayed for. At the bottom of your bulletins, there's a communication card. You can, you can tear that off and write down any prayer request you want. If you desire something more anonymous in our coffee area, right through this door, we have an entire prayer wall with tags, no place for your name, no place for your contact information, just a place where you can write down any prayer request that's on your heart. Every single week, our staff takes every one of those tags and prays over it individually. It's my desire that you are prayed for and that you give us the honor of praying for you. If you don't feel comfortable with any of those ways, find me after the service and let me know. Let me know how we can pray. January 6th, first Sunday of the new year, and my wife and I have had the honor and the privilege this weekend of hosting very dear friends in our home. Friends from out of town, friends we've known for a very long time, friends that have loved us well for nearly a decade. Uh, We had the opportunity last night to just sit around and visit and encourage one another and tell stories and reminisce, talk a little bit about the new year, the turning of the calendar. Our friends have spent a lot of time in Ethiopia, and last night they were telling us what new year looks like 
in Ethiopia. Uh, first thing I didn't realize is that Ethiopia doesn't go along the same calendar year that we do here in the West. Their new year falls in September. And it comes right after winter, and their winter doesn't, doesn't obviously look like our winter does here. It's more of just kind of a dark, rainy season. Although now that I think about it, it looks pretty similar to our winter here. Uh, maybe just not quite as cold. Uh, but, but you've got a long period of just gray darkness and rain. And then one day in September, the sun breaks through the clouds. And every year there's a very specific wildflower that begins to grow all over the country. I brought a couple of pictures of it this morning. So you can just see what it looks like. These are pictures of Ethiopia and that flower blooms once a year, right at New Year. It's become the symbol of the Ethiopian New Year. I mean, this beautiful gold blossom that comes once a year and and is kind of this tangible reminder of new growth and new life sunshine and possibilities. Can you imagine what it would look like on January 1st in Middle Tennessee if we got to walk around these rolling hills and see landscapes like that? Sadly, we don't have that kind of physical, tangible reminder of new beginnings. Shockingly, January 1st looks almost exactly like December 31st. Yet, as we turn the calendar... There is this intangible sense of new beginnings. I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy because anytime I've tried it, I end up just getting really frustrated with myself and I've broken it by about January 4th. But like many of us, as I turn the calendar into a new year, it it presents this incredible opportunity for me to, to go back and begin to think about my desires and my goals and my plans, things I want to accomplish during that year. A lot of times those goals and plans, uh, don't come to fruition. Let's, let's be honest. Sometimes that's because frankly, I I just don't follow through, you know, uh, I forget about, about my, my goals, my ideas, my plans by January 15th or so, and I'm reminded of them around December 25th when I look back through my calendar for the year and remember what I said I was going to do. But other times, my desires and my plans don't come to fruition because life happens. And suddenly there are new opportunities that I never could have planned for, that I never could have anticipated, that take priority and precedent over the things I had written down on January 1st. It doesn't mean that my plans weren't good plans. It doesn't mean that I won't get to return to those plans. It just means that maybe this year isn't the year for those plans. This is not a new phenomenon. This is something that man has always dealt with. In fact, one of the great go-getters in the Bible, the Apostle Paul, experienced this exact same phenomenon. In his letter to the believers in Rome, he told them about his plans and his desires. 
Paul had these plans to come to Rome, be with the believers there, get to know them, encourage them, and use Rome as a home base to continue on to the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, and what we know of now as modern Portugal, and share the gospel there. That was his plan. Now, the reason Paul had this plan, the reason Paul wanted to go to Spain is because Paul was very clear about God's call in his life. In this passage that Byron read for us this morning, as Paul brings his letter to the church at Rome to a close, he reminds them of the call that God has put in his life. Return with me to Romans chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. Paul writes, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. So that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. You see, Paul had a very clear call in his life. Paul had this desperate desire to make sure every human on the planet had heard the gospel. Paul had this desperate desire to tell people about Jesus that had never heard about Jesus before. He saw it as a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. That verse 21, that's Paul quoting the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah chapter 52. That was Paul's call. That was Paul's desire to preach the gospel where it had never been preached before. In pursuit of that Paul, in pursuit of that call, Paul had no desire to build things on someone else's foundation. You know, Paul got a little uncomfortable when there are too many Christians around. Similar to early American pioneers, early American settlers that would pull up stakes and continue moving west whenever they saw the smoke from someone else's cabin. When Paul looked around and saw other believers, he, he, he recognized, okay, there are other people here that can teach about Jesus. I need to go somewhere else. That desperate desire to spread the gospel to places where no one had yet heard the gospel, had already taken Paul um, from Jerusalem all the way through Turkey, up through Greece, all the way as far north as modern-day Albania. And the next logical step in Paul's mind was the Wild West, the Iberian Peninsula, Spain. Spain then was not what you would think of as Spain today. It wasn't Barcelona. It wasn't Madrid. It wasn't, uh, you know, the party beaches in Ibiza and bullfighting and all of those things. It was largely uncivilized. And it was certainly unreached. This is what Paul told this church at Rome. He wanted to do. This is where he wanted to go. This was his plan to fulfill God's call in his life to preach the gospel where it had never been preached. Now, as far as we know, Paul never reached Spain. He had many 
attempts to go prior. He had plans to go prior. He tells the church at Rome here in the following verses, verse 22, that is why I've been prevented from many times from coming to you, that being his call. You see, Paul wanted to go and he had plans to go and he wanted to go to Rome and be with them and use that as a jumping off point to go to Spain. But every time he tried, God presented new ministry opportunities. God presented new cities to go to, new churches to plant. So Paul's plan to go to Spain never actually came to fruition. Now, his plan to go to Rome did eventually happen, although it did not happen in the way he thought it would. Paul didn't travel to Rome to be with the believers there and to be a part of the church and encourage them and be encouraged by them. Instead, he traveled to Rome in chains. A prisoner of Rome awaiting trial in front of Caesar. It's not the way he pictured it to be, but it did give him incredible opportunities to share the gospel. Incredible opportunities to talk about Jesus with people he never would have had an audience with otherwise. With Roman guards and centurions. People within the government. People of power and influence. You see, Paul's plans sometimes didn't come to fruition the way he thought they would, but he was okay with that because Paul also understood that anything that was accomplished through his call to preach the gospel where it had not yet been preached was a work of Christ. It was God's work. Successful ministry was always God's work and it wasn't his work. Here in chapter 15, verse 18, he reminds the Romans of that. Anything I've accomplished has been done by Christ through me. It's not my ministry. If that means I arrive in chains, that means I arrive in chains because Paul was always hyper aware of the movement of the Holy Spirit Paul was always in tune with the opportunities that God was placing in front of him. And the bottom line was Paul's only desire was to preach the gospel to those that have not yet heard it. Now, what does that have to do with us in East Nashville, in Middle Tennessee, in 2018? This call to preach the gospel to those that have not heard it, to proclaim the name of Jesus where his name has not yet been proclaimed, doesn't really seem to apply to our life today, does it? All right, four things that I want you guys to know to understand and to embrace this morning about the example of Paul's call and Paul's ministry. First, every one of you, all of those in the room this morning that self-identify as followers of Jesus are called. Let's just get that part out of the way. This isn't a thing of Paul's called and I'm not. If you are a follower of Christ, you are called. Acts 1.8. The resurrected Jesus in his final words to his gathered disciples, you will be my witnesses. 
right? In Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, ends of the earth, all of these places. You will be my witnesses. Not you should be my witnesses. Not when it's convenient for you. Not when you have accomplished your personal goals. Not when it's comfortable. If you are a follower of Christ, you are called to be a witness for Christ. There is no getting around it. Now, the second thing I want you to understand and embrace about the example of Paul's ministry and Paul's call is that not everyone is called to do ministry like Paul. Paul had a very clear call in his life. He believed himself to be uniquely equipped and gifted to carry out this call to preach the gospel and proclaim the name of Jesus where it had not been preached and had not been proclaimed. Paul also recognized that not everyone had that same call. That's most clearly articulated in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3, Paul's writing a letter to one of the churches that he had planted and he's addressing specifically a teacher there that was named Apollos. And he says, guys, I want, you to, I want you to understand. Some are called to plant. Some are called to water. I was called to plant the seeds. Apollos is called to water that new growth. One call is not better than the other. Both are of Christ. Some are called to plant. Some are called to water. All are called. Number three, for those of you that just took a deep breath, sigh of relief when I said not all are called to plant. Many of you are. Somehow we have entered a world within the modern church that we think the call to plant is always someone else's call. It is not. There are people in this room this morning that are called to full-time, long-term, cross-cultural ministry. There are people in this room that, this morning that have spent an exorbitant amount of spiritual and mental time and energy convincing themselves that that voice in their soul is not real. Some are called to water. Some are called to plant. All are called. The final thing I want you to understand this morning about the example of Paul's call and Paul's ministry is that here in Middle Tennessee, there is a much greater need to plant than many of us, most of us, maybe all of us recognize or understand. True, there are very few people in Middle Tennessee that have never heard the name Jesus. But the reality is there are many people in Middle Tennessee that have never heard what that name means to them. 
The most recent census has well over 2 million people in Middle Tennessee. What we know through studies and surveys is over 60% of those people are not in any way connected to a local church. That's 1.2 million people at minimum. Now, I recognize being connected to a local church does not mean you are a believer. And not being connected to a local church does not mean you are not a believer. But it is a measurable metric to remind us that our home is much further unreached than any of us care to admit. There are many, many people, maybe most people in Middle Tennessee that have been told all of the things in their life they need to stop doing. They have been told all of the things in their life that they're not doing that they need to start. There are also many, many people in our home here in Middle Tennessee that have never been told that they are more than the sum of their failures. That they are not defined by their brokenness. That they are made in the image of God, the creator of the universe. They've heard the name Jesus, but they haven't heard the gospel. As we begin this new year, we get this opportunity to have this short sermon series where we can kind of push the reset button. We can remind each other who we are, what we stand for, our desperate desires, and our plans. If you have not heard or if you have forgotten, this morning I want to remind you that our church, the church at Lachlan Springs, has a desperate desire to know that every person in Middle Tennessee and beyond has heard the whole gospel. It is our desperate desire and our call that every person in Middle Tennessee and beyond knows they are made in the image of God. That every person in Middle Tennessee and beyond knows that they are loved, knows that they are valued, knows that their sins and their failures and their brokenness are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that every person knows that they can know a living Savior and that they can enter into the presence of their Creator. During Advent, we spent five weeks reminding each other that Jesus truly is the answer. 
He's the answer to stability and to contentment and to confidence and to real hope and to real peace. These are things that we can know. And in this church, it's our desperate desire to make sure everyone has an opportunity to know these things. We do this through many ways. We support missionaries all over the world. We support missionaries in nearly every continent, missionaries that work with victims of human trafficking, missionaries that work in church planting, missionaries that work with orphans, missionaries that work in sustainable farming, missionaries that work in translation. We here as a church also want to give you every opportunity to become a part of those ministries. Travis told you about an opportunity we have coming up to go to Greece and work with refugees there. There are countless other opportunities to take trips and even more opportunities to support those missionaries on the field through finances, through prayer. Here locally in Middle Tennessee, we're a part of the Middle Tennessee Initiative. That above all else wants to reflect the glory and love of Jesus Christ into our communities. And we do it through three ways. We do it through uh, education, partnerships with uh, local schools like we have with Kip Kirkpatrick Elementary. We do it through addressing needs of poverty. Partnerships with, with organizations like Project Connect where we will be supporting 60 families for three years, not only in housing but making sure they have access to the proper nutrition and the proper education and the proper job training and the proper child care. We do it through addressing health care needs. We have a mobile medical dental unit that has seen tens of thousands of patients a year right here in Middle Tennessee. All of these opportunities and more. And this morning, I want you to know that you can be a part of it. You can be a part of what God is doing through our church because it is his work, it is not ours. We also recognize, like Paul, that there are opportunities that are going to come up here in East Nashville that we can't even imagine. We are so excited as the Holy Spirit continues to move, as God continues to move in our community. Things that we did in 2018, we had never planned for, and opportunities that are going to come up in 2019, we haven't even thought of yet. God is moving and we have the incredible opportunity to enter into that service. Finally, I want you to know, if you have never heard, you are loved, you are valued, and you can know a living Savior.
if you have not yet met him. If you want to follow up on that, if you have questions, find me after the service. Find Travis, find Jacob. They'll be standing right over there by that sign that says next steps. Let them pray with you. Let them answer your questions. Let us walk with you in your pursuit of Jesus. I'm so blessed and honored to get to stand up and be a part of this community. I'm so excited about what God is doing. Would you all pray with me this morning? We stand in this room every week, humbled and amazed, Father, by your presence with us. Grateful for the opportunity to enter into your service. Grateful beyond words for the knowledge that we are created in your image. That we are loved, that we are not defined by our brokenness. Thank you for what you're doing in our community. Thank you for going ahead of us in ministry. We pray all of these things in your son's name.